There was nothing special about this morning. The birds were starting to sing. The sun was just starting to peek over the mountains. Yet the footsteps that were being taken seemed to carry a weight with them like no other. As he took each step forward, he thought to himself, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? Sweat started to drip from his brow. He started to second guess himself, but he knew he had to do what he had to do. And as he approached the door, he knocked. He opened the door. A man was sleeping in bed. And he said, Prefect, a group of Jewish leaders has just arrived in your courthouse. They've brought someone. They're asking you for judgment. And he closed the door and he walked away. And this man, who was in a deep sleep, woke up, moved his eyes, moved his feet to the edge of his bed and sat up and let out a huge yawn. <clears throat> Cleared his throat. <clears throat> Work was about to begin. And the sun yet hadn't even risen. Little did this man know that in a brief handful of hours, his life, his legacy would be cemented for all time for everyone that would know the name Pilate. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come today to enter into your word. Lord, you have truth that you want to speak to us today. You have things that you want to say to each of us, and we come from a whole lot of different areas. God, whatever our weeks have been, Lord, I pray that you would just help us to calm down, to take a breath, know that you are with us, you are for us. You've provided everything that we need and we can find freedom in you. So Lord, help us to understand what you have to say to us today. Open up our hearts and our minds to receive your truth. We thank you in advance for how you're working in our lives. And we ask that you just continue doing what you do best, being God and loving us and helping us to love others. It's in the powerful name of King Jesus we pray. Amen. Church, it is good to be with you here today. I'm glad you're here. Whether you're here in person or whether you're live streaming with us, we appreciate the fact that you've taken time to spend with us. And we are launching a new seven-week series called Legacy, Ordinary People, Extraordinary God. If you were here last summer, you might think, well, we did that last summer. We did. But 
we just received so much good feedback from it and we thought, wow, what a powerful series. Why not bring it again? So we're here, Legacy Version 2.0. Over the next seven weeks, we're going to take a look at seven different Bible characters from the New Testament. And our purpose is to take a look at their lives, to take a look at their stories within the Bible and to see what kind of lives they led, what their story was. You see, each of us have a story inside of us, and our story points to something. The question is, what does our story point to? And when we leave this earth, years go by, what is our legacy going to say about us? Are we going to point to Jesus, to God? Is that where our legacy points? Or will we point somewhere else? Anywhere else? That's the idea of this series. And I'm so excited to be starting things off here uh, this summer with Legacy. So we're going to get right into it. We're talking about Pontius Pilate. So let's get this right off the bat. Who prefers to say Pontius and who prefers to say Pontius? All right. Pontius. Raise your hands. Pontius. Pontius. How many of you like Pontius? Pontius right? All right, that's okay. I, I kind of like Pontius too. It sounds like, hello, I'm Pontius Pilate, right? But I look at the internet and we know everything on the internet's true, right? <laughs> I think how you pronounce the name is Pontius Pilate, but Pilate, this is who we're looking at. And we're going to go into the book of John, one of the gospels in the New Testament. Now, if you look at the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are bits and pieces of his story stretched throughout these four gospels. What we're going to do today is we're going to take a look primarily at the book of John, chapter 18, verses 28. We're going to go all the way through chapter 19, verse 22. And in there, we're going to use a couple supporting texts from the other gospels to kind of help us see this story of Pilate. All right. Most of you might have heard of him. He kind of plays a slightly pivotal role in Jesus' story, but I believe there are some great lessons that we can learn from Pilate this morning. So, you ready to dive into the word? Thank you. All right, all right. <laughs> all right. Okay, so we're going to start. Here we go. John 18, we're going to start at verse 28. Follow along and listen to God's word as we read it. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas, to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning. To avoid ceremonial uncleanliness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? Well, if he were not a criminal, they replied, we, we would have not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But but we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you've done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now 
my kingdom is from another place. Well, you're a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. So what do we have in this first section of Pilate's story? We see that the Jewish leaders are bringing Jesus to Pilate with the intent of having Pilate pronounce not just judgment, but a death sentence on Jesus. The Jewish leaders have had enough of this teacher, this rabbi who has caused a stirring in their eyes, an uprising in their eyes. And they wanted Pilate to pronounce a death sentence on him. Pilate asked Jesus if he's the king of the Jews. And Jesus' response is masterful. Never once does Jesus say, well, yeah, exactly. That's exactly who I am. He never says yes. As a matter of fact, Matthew, Mark, Luke, each of them say this phrase. They say, Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replies with, you have said so. Jesus never says that, yes, this is who I am, but he's trying to help Pilate understand who he is. He never says yes, though. Pilate asks, what have you done? What have you done to, to offend your people? Your own people have brought you here to hand you over to me to produce some kind of death sentence over you. And Jesus speaks of his heavenly kingdom. And Pilate asks if Jesus is a king. Jesus replies. He replies with the truth in verse 37. He says that he's here to testify uh, to the truth. And everyone who's on the side of truth is going to listen to him. And then you have the phrase uttered that rings through all time. Pilate says these three words, what is truth? What is truth? And what does Pilate immediately do after that? Does he continue engaging in conversation with Jesus? No. He leaves right away and he goes right back out to the Jewish leaders. And he says, I find no reason to charge this man. You know, this brings us to our first talking point. Walking away from truth is going to leave you lost in life. Walking away from truth is going to lead you lost, is going to leave you lost in life. You know, the concept of truth is so under attack in the world that we live in today. You've heard the phrase, well, What's true for you, that's fine, but it might not be true for me. I mean, what is truth, really? It's exactly what Pilate is asking. People across this world are asking that same question. What is truth? Is there really such a thing as absolute truth? Or another thing I think that has risen to the surface in our world is, you know what, I have feelings, and they're more important than truth. So you need to recognize my feelings and accept who I am and what I say, regardless of what you say truth is. Guys, this is hard. This is hard. We live in a tough world, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's going to get worse. 
But you know what? For those of us who are struggling, maybe who are feeling defeated or who are feeling like, what, what hope is there? Church, we stand on truth. We stand on truth. Truth, remember, is a person. What did Jesus say in the Gospels? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone who wants to come to the Father has to come through me. You see, we have truth, and we can share truth with the people out there. And we might even be struggling. Just had a conversation this morning saying, Pastor Darrell, it is so hard it is so hard to do this. Why? Why is all of this stuff being allowed to happen? And I said, you know what? It is hard. But we have to remember that we don't think like God thinks. It's impossible for us to do that. To us, we do say, like Pastor John said last week, sometimes we focus on the arguments and we don't see the person. We want to win the battle. But what did he encourage us to do? Just be kind. Talk to the person, see the person. We can't think like God can think. And I hope that brings you some, some kind of peace this morning for those who might be really struggling with why is all this stuff happening? Because we know God is in control. And he says, look, here's what it is. You can't think like I do, I'm God. But I want you to trust me. And I want you to know that you're staying on truth. Walking away from truth is gonna leave you lost in life. Just be kind, <laughs> be kind. Well, we're gonna move on to the next phase, phase of Jesus' trial here of Pilate's story. And this next part, we're actually gonna to jump to Luke chapter 23, verses two and five. Follow along as we continue unpacking Pilate's story. And they began to accuse him, saying, well, we found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payments of taxes to Caesar, and he claims to be Messiah, a king. But they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee, and now he's come all the way here. You know, since Pilate saw no reason to bring charges against Jesus, the Jewish leaders decided they got to raise the stakes. They're going to throw everything they can at Pilate, to prove to him that Jesus deserves death because they want to get rid of this man who has caused nothing but problems for them in their eyes. They claim he subverted a nation. They claim he opposed taxes to Caesar. He claims to be the Messiah, they said. He stirs up people through their teaching. Have you ever felt like Jesus, probably in this moment in his life, that the world is just against you and no matter what you say or do, there is no way out? You say something and all of a sudden someone twists it just a little bit and they say, well, this is what he said. And you're saying, that's not what I said. Have you ever found yourself like that? I know I have. But the Jewish leaders are just laying everything out, trying to just in an obnoxious, horrible way, throw Jesus under the bus with everything they have. And Pilate, according to Matthew and Mark, he was amazed at Jesus because what did Jesus do while all of this hatred was spewing at him? He stood there silently. That's who Jesus was. He knew in his heart that he was not guilty. 
He knew that he was innocent, but he knew that he was about to step into a spot for us. And so he willingly stood there while he was verbally tormented by these people. And Pilate saw that and he was amazed at Jesus' reaction. But Pilate was beginning to feel the pressure. He was beginning to feel the pressure of these Jewish leaders. He needed to make some sort of decision. And before we get to the decision he makes, let me tell you a little bit about background of Pilate, <clears throat> who this guy is. He was the governor or the prefect of Judea. You see, Rome occupied Palestine in the area, and there was still a lot of tension. There was lots of soldiers in the area of Jerusalem and Palestine. And Pilate's job was to kind of create peace between the people there, the Jews who occupied the city, and Rome as Rome was taking over their area of life. You know, but Pilate didn't help matters. He hung worship images of the emperor throughout their holy city of Jerusalem. He had, he minted coins with pagan worship images on them for the Jews to use. It was almost like spitting in the Jewish people's face. Pilate was described by Josephus and other early historical writers as being someone who just did not know how to do the job. He was there, and at times he was cruel and unusual and over the top. He just didn't know how to make a right decision. It always seemed like he was confused. The Bible paints him out to be this kind of vacillating, oh, I don't know what to do kind of leader. But I think this guy was just at the end of his rope. He didn't know what to do because maybe he just wasn't the right leader for the job, but he had the job. And he had to do this, but he made tension in between the Jews and the Samaritans. He was able to have them riot. And this wasn't a good thing because he was brought into this area to provide peace for Rome. As a matter of fact, if you read a little bit more about his life, at one point, I think he had a whole lot of Samaritans either executed or terminated. Eventually, History says he was sent back to Rome to stand trial himself. Pilate was put on trial for the cruel things that he did. Some experts say that Caesar ordered him to kill himself. There's other writings that say completely opposite, that he and his wife turned Christian and led a great life. But here's what we know. Pilate was struggling. He was a leader. He was being forced to make a decision here in just a handful of hours, and he didn't know what to do. The pressure was mounting. Leads us to our second talking point. Pressured people produce poor decisions. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> pressured people produce poor decisions, right? But that's true. Pressured people produce poor decisions. Now, have you ever made a good decision under extreme pressure? Now, I will say this. I'll throw that in as well. Sometimes that can't happen. Sometimes you're just built to be able to withstand that kind of pressure. And sometimes that pressure is where you hit your sweet spot. And you're like, okay, this is what I can do. When I'm under pressure, I can make good decisions. But for, I think, the normal person, most of us, when we're under pressure, it is very hard for us to make decisions that are wise and good. Pressured people produce poor decisions. 
So what's the key to making a good decision? What's the key to making a good decision? How about this? Take a breath. Take a breath before you've got to decide something. And I'm not talking about just big decisions that you make maybe once a week or once a month, just in your regular decision-making process. Parents with kids, take a breath. I'm trying to do that. Sometimes I'm good and a lot of times I'm not so good. <laughs> I'm still learning. But take a breath. How about prayer? How about taking it to God and saying, God, what do I need to do? What is the best course of action in this situation that I'm in? How about talking to people to gain wise counsel? How about talking to trusted friends who said, hey, I'm kind of walking through this right now. What do you think? Can I share what's on my mind? What do you think I should do? I'm just looking for some advice. Guys, this is how we make a good decision. But Pilate was feeling the pressure and it wasn't good. The last thing that the Jewish leader said to Pilate was that Jesus started in Galilee and that gave Pilate a poor solution. We're going to uh, continue reading in Luke chapter 23, verses 6 through 12. And in verse 6, here's the ongoing story of Pilate. On hearing this, Pilate asked the man, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he heard that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time, he'd been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a miracle, perform a sign of some sort. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressing him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. So in enters Herod Antipas. Now this story is about Pilate, but we got to talk about Herod for a second. Pilate's poor decision was, oh, he started in Galilee. He's not my problem. I'm going to give him to Herod. Where was Herod? Herod was in Jerusalem at this time because Passover was being observed in Jerusalem. And so Pilate said, he's not my deal. He's Herod's deal. Send him off to Herod. Now, by the way, this is Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas. If you've read the gospels, you might know that this is the same guy who decided to serve the head of John the Baptist to his daughter as a request. This was the guy who John the Baptist went to and said, your marriage with your wife is a sham and I'm going to call you on it. And it cost him his life. This is the same Herod who now Jesus is standing in front of and you know Jesus and John the Baptist were tight. So what do you think is going through Jesus' mind as he's standing in front of Herod? And Herod is seeing Jesus not as a person, but as a play toy. <laughs> I've been wanting to see you. Come on, do something, do something. The scripture actually says he plied him with many questions. When's the last time you used the word plied? I mean, I haven't used it in a while. I had to look it up. What it means is he worked him. He worked Jesus with many questions. Question after question. He wanted Jesus to do something. He wanted to see some miraculous sign. And Jesus did what? Nothing. Nothing. He was Jesus, right? He just stood there. Well, this didn't please Herod. 
And even though he was harassed verbally, even though Jesus was harassed physically, Herod said, enough's enough. It's not my problem. Pilate, I'm sending him back to you. And the text says that these two guys became friends after that. Political enemies at one point, now friends. Over this Jesus guy. So back to Pilate, they all go. Well, if we pick up the next phase in John chapter 18, verse 39 through 40, Pilate is now again in front of the Jewish leaders and Jesus, knowing that his first choice, his poor decision, didn't go very well. And now he's saying, okay, what can I do? What can I do? Ah, I got it. I got it. Verse 39. But it's your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. And if you briefly look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 19, it says this. Now while Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man. For I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. Verse 24, when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and he washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. And all the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and he handed him over to be crucified. Hmm. Negotiating with the Jewish leaders, Pilate is still feeling pressure. And so he tried to offer this peace offering, something that happens during Passover. I can release a prisoner to you. He's trying to encourage them. Let me release this Jesus person who I find no fault in. Yet what does the crowd say? What do the Jewish leaders say? Nope, not him. We want him dead. Release this other guy, Barabbas. And by the way, Barabbas, he wasn't a nice guy. He kind of caused a lot of trouble for the Romans, a lot of trouble for the Jewish people. He probably deserved to be in prison. He probably deserved to be crucified. Yet the people said, give us Barabbas. They shouted. You know, and while all this verbal exchange is going on, Pilate's wife gets him a message. And what does the message say? Don't, don't, don't have anything to do with this guy. Don't have anything to do with this innocent man. Listen, I've suffered in a dream just this past night. Have nothing to do with him. Talking point number three. Listen to your wife. All right? That's right. Listen to your wife. You can say amen. That's all right. All right? <laughs> Listen to your wife. You know, guys, girls, we are so better together. A lot of times us guys, we are, we are instinctual idiots. That's why I say we're instinctual. Why? Why are we instinctual idiots? Because a lot of times, and this was said last week too, we are so focused on solving the problem. We have trouble with the what? Listening. <laughs> Here Pilate's wife is saying, 
you should have nothing to do with this guy. Finish it off, release him, have nothing to do with him. I've suffered a great deal in a dream because of him. And so what does Pilate do? He chose to wash his hands. Okay, I think he did listen to his wife, but I think he's still making poor decisions. He washed his hands, said, hey, I'm innocent. I'm innocent of this man's blood. Talking point number four, passing the buck doesn't make the sin disappear. I'm innocent, just so all of you know, I'm washing my hands of this man's blood, of this innocent man's blood. What do the people say? By this time, the Jewish leaders have gotten the whole crowd of Jews riled up. That's all right, that's all right, we'll take the blood on, our, on us and all of our children. We just want him dead. Fine, whatever. I'm washing my hands. Pilate had the power. He had the power to send these people away early in the morning before the sun even came up. Pilate had the power to do so again after they came back from Herod. He had the power to do this, yet he chose to push it off to the side. Nope. It's not my problem, it's your problem. In other words, he's making excuses. He's making excuses, but what should we be doing? We should be taking responsibility for the words we say, for the actions that we take. We, we need to be better. You cannot just forget about sin. You cannot just forget about sin. You can't just push sin off and just kind of say, nope, I washed my hands of it, it's good, I'm good. I want nothing to do with it. You know, what are you doing? What are you doing about the sin in your life? I don't know where your hearts are. I know where my heart is. I know that early in my life, verses like Romans 6.23 spoke to me. For the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There was a point in my life where I understood that I was born sinful, there was nothing I could do to get rid of it, except one thing, and ironically so, it was by being washed clean, not by water, but by what? By the blood of Jesus, because he willingly walked to the cross on my behalf. He willingly put himself in harm's way. Because he knew that he loved Daryl Peters. And he loves you. And I can't know where everyone's heart is at who hears this today. But I want you to hear this. God loves you. He loves you so much that he was willing to send his son to die for you. And there is nothing you can do to, return, to, to, to receive his love other than just accepting the gift that he's given to you. So I encourage you, if you've never made that decision, to ask Jesus in your heart, to understand, to confess with your mouth that I am a sinner, I am sinful, and I understand that Jesus is who he said he was, that he did what he did for me because he loves me, 
and I accept that punishment on my behalf. And I ask Jesus into my life to help guide me, to help lead me, to continue to love me. Don't leave today without doing that. Please. It's going to be the best decision you ever make. And if you made that decision, whether you made it decades ago or whether you just recently made it, just give a moment and thank God for the love that he shows us. So, John 19, verse 1. Part of this final phase. Let's pick up with verse 1. It says this, Pilate, then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! They slapped him in the face, and once more Pilate came out to the Jews gathered there. Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. And when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and the officials saw him, they said, they shouted, crucify, crucify. But Pilate answered, you take him and you crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law. And according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid and went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, don't you realize that, that I have the power to either free you or crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar's. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover, and it was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. And so the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Pilate had Jesus flogged or whipped, dressed him like a king and brought him out in front of the Jewish people again. Second time, Pilate says, I find no basis for a charge against him. The crowds shout, crucify, crucify, crucify. Pilate said, you take him, you crucify him. Third time, Pilate says, I find no basis or charge against him. Then he must die, the people said. He claimed to be the son of God. He must die. Pilate was now afraid. He was backed into a corner. This was not a good place for a leader to be. And he takes Jesus one more time into a private chamber and tries to reason with him or tries to get an answer out of Jesus. He kind of puffs himself up, you know, I have the power. 
I have the power to release you or crucify you. You talk to me here. And Jesus probably so calmly says, you don't have any power other than the power that was given to you from up above. The ones who did this to me, they're, they're guilty more. And Pilate says he tried with all his might to set Jesus free, but he caved. He caved to the pressure of those around him. He knew what he needed to do, but he cracked because then the final blow came from the Jewish leaders. They attacked Pilate. You say you're a friend of Caesar? Ah, you're not a friend of Caesar. This guy's claiming to be a king. You're no friend of Caesar's. Maybe we might tell him. Oh, really? That's how you want to play Jewish people? Okay, fine. So he sits down and he sentences Jesus to death. And he hands him over to the crowds. He hands him over to the, the soldiers. Pilate caves to the pressure of the people around him. He lets them do his thinking for him. And that leads to our talking point number five. Don't let those around you control your thinking. Don't let those around you control your thinking. You know, who do you surround yourself with? Do you surround yourself with people that are going to build you up and encourage you? Or do you find yourself surrounding yourself with people that are much more easily able to tear you down? You know, we all have friends. We all have inner circles and we all have people that we go to for advice. But guys, we can't allow those around us to control how we think. God has given us a brain and God has given us a heart. He's given us the ability to have knowledge and an understanding of right and wrong. And he's built us to be empathetic and sympathetic, to come alongside people and, and, and feel what they feel. But we can't just go with the crowd or let the crowd do our thinking for us. That puts us in a bad spot. God gave us a head. He gave us a heart. We need to use them. And then we have an epilogue. A couple sentences, or a couple verses here in John 19, 19 through 22. It says, Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews, Many of the Jews read the sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. And the chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, <laughs> what I've written, I've written. Pilate was done with these people. He was done. They got what they wanted. I think in a way, Pilate's saying, don't press your luck, Jews. You got what you wanted, go do it. All it took was a small handful of hours, one ordinary morning, for the legacy of one man to be cemented into our history books. It doesn't take long for our stories to be written. But this is a detailed account of Pilate's life in the Bible. It allows us to ask the question, where does Pilate's legacy point us? Where does Pilate's legacy point us? Really simply, I think it points us to a place of being lost, of being pressured, of being desperate, 
and out of control. That's where his story points. That's where his story leads. How many of us here this morning feel like, man, I'm kind of feeling like I'm there. I'm kind of feeling like I'm lost. I feel desperate. I feel pressured. I feel that things are just so out of control. What do we do when we find ourselves in that position? Where do we find hope? Where do we find peace? Where do we find belonging, joy, love? It is in one man who said he was the way, the truth, and the life. It is through Jesus Christ. He helps us with this idea of feeling lost, pressured, desperate, and out of control. He helps lead us to a better place, a place where we can find hope and peace, where we belong, where we can find joy and love. You know, he leads us to a place where we see other people as people, as God sees them. He leads us to a place where we choose to be kind and we don't really care about winning the argument at the end of the day, but what we do care about is that the person who we engage conversation with is someone who is created in God's image. And maybe just they're lost right now and they need someone to listen to them. They need us to be what Jesus was for us. So, a question on the sermon guide is, where is my legacy pointing right now? And take a moment, even right now or today, just to ask yourself that question. Where is my legacy? Where is my story pointing right now? Maybe it needs to be adjusted a little bit, or maybe you're right on track. And if you are, keep shining your light brighter than ever because you're needed in this world. But if this is where Pilate's story points us, then what lessons do we learn from his life? Here's your quick recap today. Number one, walking away from truth will leave you lost in life. We need to run towards truth. We need to take hold of it and never let it go. Walk with truth. Number two, pressured people produce poor decisions. Remember, take a breath, pray, seek wise counsel before making decisions. Number three, listen to your wife. We are better together. We are so better together. Number four, passing the buck doesn't make the sin disappear. We need to take responsibility for the words we speak and the actions we take. We just need to be better because God calls us to be better. And number five, don't let those around you control your thinking. God gave us brains and he gave us hearts to connect with others, to love others, we need to use them. Our lives are like a story. We have the opportunity to continue to write our story, 
But where's our story going to point? For our family, for our friends, for those around us, where's our story going to point? Is it going to point right back to ourselves? Or is it going to point out into the world? Or is it going to point to Jesus? I pray that our stories continue to point to Jesus. And we continue seeing more people come to know who he is and be saved as a result. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much that you've given us your word that we can dive into as a body of believers and we can take a look at characters. We can understand what they did. We can understand maybe what they did well, what they did not so well. That there's things that we can learn from these characters. And God, I pray this morning that you just lay on our hearts the things that we need to hear. Jesus, lay on our minds the things that we need to think about, the things that we need to confess. Lord, the things that we need to come clean about. God, help us to know that you love us, that you have a plan for us, and that there are those that you want us to reach out to and pray for and and share the hope of Jesus with them. God, help us understand that we are forgiven. We are forgiven because you loved us, because you willingly walked to the cross for us. Thank you. There is no greater gift than you've given to us. It is in the powerful name of King Jesus we pray. Amen.